In almost any restaurant in America, Christians can pray or give thanks before their meal without any concern about uh, retribution. They can do that because their religious liberty rights are protected by law. In fact, Christians often meet in public places, restaurants and parks and other places, to do a variety of Christian activities. They meet together to disciple one another, to spend time studying the Word of God, sometimes to, to worship and to sing. In those places, there's no question about their activity. It's normal to see followers of Christ doing Christian things in public places. And yet, any of those activities can get you killed in other parts of the world. We need to talk about the persecuted church. A new report by Open Doors tells us that there are 50 countries now in the world where Christians, quote, face the most extreme persecution. Merely because they adhere to Christianity, just in the last year, 2023, approximately 5,000 Christians were killed and 300,000 Christians were displaced. Open Doors tells us that those numbers are the absolute minimum and that they're probably much higher. In the same year, about 4,000 Christians were abducted and about 15,000 churches were attacked or forced to close. The attack not only targets Christian churches, but also harms Christian homes and schools. In fact, over 21,000 Christian homes last year were attacked and over 5,000 shops and businesses were assaulted. The report summarizes the persecution data by saying that worldwide, one in seven Christians are now being persecuted for what they believe as they follow Jesus Christ. The number becomes one in five when you zero in on the African continent. And when you move to Asia, the number increases yet again to two out of five. 40% of Christians on the Asian continent face tangible persecution, physical assault, and, and, and economic uh, limitations. The bottom line is tangible discrimination and clear persecution affect more than 350 million Christians worldwide. That's more Christians under the cloud of persecution than the entire population of the United States of America. It comes as no surprise that in that list of 50 nations where Christians are in danger, nine of the top 10 are Muslim majority countries. In fact, that list includes Somalia, Libya, Eritrea, Yemen, Nigeria, Pakistan, Sudan, Iran, and Afghanistan. In fact, Nigeria was highlighted in the report. They just recently became a Muslim-majority nation, now with 51% of their population uh, being Muslim. But in Nigeria, it has become in the last year, it has become the deadliest country for Christians on the planet. More than 4,000 Christians killed for their faith last year just in Nigeria, most by Muslim terrorists like groups like Boko Haram. And this, these crimes completely overlooked or ignored by the Muslim, the Islamic uh, political majority.
Notable in the report as well was not just those nine Muslim-majority nations out of the top ten, but there were two new entries to the list this year, Syria and Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi Arabia has always persecuted Christians, but Saudi Arabia has great public relations, and so they've always presented themselves as the, the moderate, the, the nice Muslim nation. And yet the fact is, if you... If a man, if a Christian man speaks to a woman in Saudi Arabia, or if he talks about Jesus or the Bible to somebody else in Saudi Arabia, he can go to jail. Syria is even more disturbing because Syria, uh, even though it has been a Muslim nation, Syria was the one place in the Middle East where Christians held significant roles of leadership. The, the largest... Um, Christian populations in the Middle East have traditionally been in Egypt and in Syria. So because Syria was a major Christian center in that part of the world, it's very disturbing to now see it become, uh, after centuries of toleration, for Syria to become uh, one of the top 50 nations persecuting Christians in our generation. A major source of the reason behind this persecution is because of the different ways that, uh, that Islam views Christianity. It denigrates Christian scriptures and denies that Christianity uh, is a viable, acceptable religion. The international community should hold Muslim-majority countries accountable concerning their Christian minorities. In this matter of persecution of Christians, the world, the international community, must not be silent. Let me ask you this question. We're often told by those on the left in this country that Muslims and Christians are the same. We just, we just have parallel paths to the same God and, and we all hate violence and we all, uh, we, we all have similar attitudes about things. And yet, I would ask some questions about that. Where is the Islamic society to which millions of people from the rest of the world are streaming because it is so compelling and attractive? In what country is this so-called beautiful religion practiced in a way that might prompt you to move there for the rest of your life? You see, Americans often have to discuss issues of immigration control, but Muslim-majority nations don't have that problem. People are trying to get out of those countries. They're not trying to get into those countries. If Christianity and, and Islam are so parallel, if they're so equally beneficial and wonderful, why are there not flocks of people in the world trying to get into Muslim nations? You see, both Christianity and Islam are alike in one way. They are both what we call exclusivist religions. That is, they both teach that theirs is the only right way to God. But after that, the differences get completely radical. The explicit teachings of Jesus, uh, his example during his lifetime, and the pattern of, the, of most early believers during the days of the Roman Empire make it clear that the gospel and its implications are supposed to find their way into people's hearts, not by force of military or political power, but by the energy of God's Spirit and the persuasion of conversation. In fact, the idea of freedom of speech only flows out of a Judeo-Christian worldview. 
It is from the teachings of Jesus that we have established this foundational distinctive that only shows up in Christian dominant nations. It is an important part of Western civilization, but freedom of speech is not characteristic of Islamic cultures. So what is Islam's answer? There is a whole band of nations that stretch across the top of the African continent, continent through the Middle East, and into Southwest Asia, and in all of those nations, the commonality, despite the differences in their people groups, the commonality is personal liberty is at best a vague abstraction. Which of those nations welcomes people of other faiths in a way, in the same way that our nation welcomes Muslims? It's not because they haven't had time to develop. I mean, Islam has had well over a thousand years to get its act together. It isn't for lack of money, because Islam has had direct access to some of the world's greatest wealth. It's not for lack of power, because in at least 20 countries of the world, Islam has been dominant in the political driver's seat for generations. Well, how do we think about this biblically? Well, first of all, we need to be not caught off guard about this business of persecution of Christians. Let me read you some verses. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this, Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In John chapter 15, verses 19 and 20, the apostle John writes this, Remember, this is, these are the words of Jesus, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they follow my word, they will follow yours also. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know the one who sent me. Well, let's look at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Again, the Apostle Paul. He says, we wanted you to understand these teachings that we've shared with you, and here's the reason. So that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For even when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it happened, as you know. Well, then the most powerful reminder is by the Apostle Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Verses 12 through 14, he writes this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You see, the testimony of the New Testament is persecution for Christians is going to happen in every generation on every continent. It is to be expected, not because people hate Christianity per se, but because persecution is motivated by the enemy of God himself. Why is Christianity persecuted above all other religions on the planet? maybe only, only in line with anti-Semitism aimed towards Jews. Again, what Jews and Christians share 
is the worship of one, the one true God. And they, the persecution of those two religions are motivated by an, an invisible enemy who makes the world that he influences, that he dominates. He makes the world hate those people that God has a special relationship with. Now here's the thing. We are called to expect it. We are called to endure it. But we are still to use our rights as citizens of what, at least till today, remains the freest nation on the earth. We are to use those rights to press governments and the international community to prevent the persecution of Christians as it violates an inherent human right bestowed upon humanity by God himself. Persecution doesn't surprise us, but we don't roll over either. We contest it. We fight against it. We put pressure where it's needed. And honestly, the United States ceases to be important in world affairs until we make this a priority. You say, oh, pastor, come on. No, I'm telling you, until our political leadership is more concerned about persecuted Christians around the world, more concerned than they are about funding Ukrainian oligarchs, we will cease to have usefulness to the kingdom of God as a nation. And that is a dangerous position to be in. If God can't use us for his purposes as a nation, there's no reason for this nation to exist. We must compel our leaders to put pressure on those who persecute and kill Christians. It is one of the major issues of the world in our generation. Remember to pray and then call somebody who can make a difference and get this ball rolling. This is Truth Currents. Whoa.